Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, everyone. Welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I'm your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you're having an amazing day so far. And I have an incredible guest today. He is a speaker. He is also a coach. And he's also an author. And he's also a mentor. Of mine, so I've learned a lot from this guy. This guy has a lot of great wisdom to share today. So let's welcome Jake Bowtie. How are you doing today, Jake? Victor, I am doing so well. It is such a pleasure and an honor to be with you. Uh, thanks so much for having me. This is a this is a blast. It's a privilege. All right, all right. So I just like to start off by just ask you uh, about your background, your story, about how you came to where you are today, how you became an entrepreneur, how you got into speaking, uh, motivational talking, coaching, and all those things. So share your story with the audience, please. Well, it's a, you know, it's a tough story. I, I'd be talking, not a tough story as in hard, because my life has been wonderful, but I, I'm saying it's tough to say in a short period of time. That would be, we'll be talking for the next five hours to give you the the this kind of thing. And, and that's actually what I want to share. I have this realization that my journey's never been a straight line. Mm-hmm. It's never been a straight line, but it's been understanding what I want in life and then following the next you know, 30 feet, you know, just taking that next 30 feet. I remember one time I was, um, I was hiking and for a long story short, we ended up out on this trail late at night. And on our way back, we lost the trail on the way back. We lost the trail and it was dark and we couldn't see anything, but we could see a light off in the distance. So we're up on this mountain and we could see a light off in the distance Uh, And what we thought was that must be the light that was on the outhouse that was in the parking lot where our car is parked. So we said, okay, that's where we want to go. But there were also cliffs on this trail that we Mm -hmm. couldn't see. We knew that there were 30 foot drop offs, 50 foot drop offs. We knew that they were all over the place. So we couldn't just walk straight to it. So what we did was you said, okay, I can get safely to 30 feet over there. I can see that it's safe between here and there. We go to that spot. And then we'd get there and then look for the next safe spot and do that and do that. And honestly, that's been my entrepreneurial journey has been, I know, I always knew what I wanted in generalities, but for me, like, look, my, my whole entrepreneurial journey started as a musician. I said, well, I'm going to go into business for business for myself as a musician. And I was different than all the other musicians. I wasn't the best musician but I was getting booked more than the other ones because I, I was also studying business at the same time. So I started getting involved in business, like understanding business, learning business so that I could book myself more as a musician. And I kept hearing no and no and no. And I thought I need to like make myself better so that I can do that better. I need to, I, I need to better myself. And so I started learning from Tony Robbins. I started learning from Jack Canfield. I started you know, reading you know, Stephen Covey books and all sorts of things like that. Not because I wanted to be a speaker, but because I wanted to be more effective at doing something that was incredibly hard. And as I did that, you know, things went well. Like I, I did what I set out to do in terms of making that my job, but I wasn't really fulfilled with it because what I was doing was being paid to entertain drunk people. And that really wasn't what I wanted to do. That wasn't that. And for some people that's their jam and good for them, but it wasn't mine. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And so then I had this crazy idea of like, well, what if I started playing music, combining music with speaking all these things that I've been learning? Cause I got all into all that stuff as I'm learning it to try to better myself. What if I combined speaking and music together and used it to share an empowering message to teenagers all over the country. Well, I didn't know it'd be all over the country at the time. I just thought I'd do this locally. I didn't even know it was a business. I thought, well, they'll probably pay me a little bit. I I had no clue, but I just thought, well, let's find out about this. And then I learned there was this whole industry based around speaking specifically in the K-12 market and the education market. And I went, oh, wow, I could do that. That's cool. And so I, 
I dove all in. I dove all in. At mm -hmm. the time, I was, uh, you know, I went to college kind of later in life. It wasn't that much later, but I didn't, I didn't do college right away. Mm -hmm. And so I, at the time I decided I'm going to finish college and I was going to go and get a master's degree in counseling. And that's what I wanted to do. Uh, partially because of all the stuff I've been learning, like all the stuff I've been learning about personal development and stuff. I thought, well, I should be a counselor is what I thought. Cause I didn't know about the industry. Mm -hmm. And then when I learned about it and I learned that this was a possibility, I went, I don't want to go and get a master's degree. I want to go do this instead. I want to go speak all over the country mm -hmm. and, and, and inspire these kids and do that. And then it took me all over the United States, it took me all over the United States, hired in 43 States, um, such a cool thing. I've seen every corner, every, every uh, region of the country and really got to know the people, which is super cool. But then the same thing, I said, it's never been a straight line. So I did that for, you know, exclusively for about seven years. And then I went, you know what, it's time for me to, to move on because my interests have changed. And at the beginning, I, I didn't think that doing that kind of thing, speaking to and coaching, um, adults was really an option. I didn't think that I had enough to offer if I'm being totally transparent. And then I started doing a few, I started doing parent workshops and I started doing uh, teacher and educator workshops. And what I learned was, is that as much as I was, I was preparing, thinking I needed to do all this stuff that, that was going to be so sophisticated when I went and talked to these parents or talked to these teachers, and what I learned was, is that they had the exact same insecurities that the kids had. What I learned was, is that what they were dealing with were the same things the kids were dealing with. They were dealing with self-doubt. Mm -hmm. They were dealing with uh, self-criticism. They were dealing with trying to figure out how to, how to fit too much activity into too little time. They were trying to, to they were dealing with things like, what's so-and-so going to think about me? You know, you wouldn't think that here's the principal of the school and they're just as worried of, about what other people are going to think about them as the kids are. Now, I understand that now, but at the time it blew my mind. And then from there I went, okay, well, I, I want to start doing coaching and speaking and seminars and that kind of thing for adults and, you know, that, and then what I've built here with the speakers, authors, and coaches network, it just kind of all happened by just taking what I refer to as inspired actions. So taking inspired actions leads to new opportunities and leads to new opportunities. And so a lot of people are looking for this straight line. And so when people ask me the story, they say, how did you get into what you, I, I, I always think, where do I start the story? Because I could start the story with, well, I used to be a youth speaker and spoke all over the country and did this. And they go, wait, what? What, what is that? And then I'm like, well, then I have to tell another story. And then another, it, it's all a part of this, this journey. And I think that what's important for the listeners to hear is that if you want to succeed, don't be so attached to the outcome. Be attached to the idea of, I want to succeed. And this is what I kind of see it looking like. Mm -hmm. I like using the word vision because literally if we think about vision and we think about something, let's say we're talking about a mountaintop off in the distance. When we see that mountaintop, we don't see the details clearly. It's too far away, but we see the direction we want to go. And as we get closer, we start to see, you know, once we get closer, we see, okay, now I'm in the terrain that the same kind of terrain, it probably looks something like this. You start to get an idea of what it looks like as you get closer, the temperature changes. As you get closer, you start to see differences, differences in the plant life and the animals and that kind of thing. And then once you get there, now you can see it clearly. But vision, the further away you are, the less clear it is and the more general and broad it is. And I think that people oftentimes get caught up and they get stuck because they think they're supposed to see that top of the mountain with perfect clarity before they can take their first step. And that's just not the way it is. No, no I think that's some golden nuggets right there. Uh, number one, your journey has gone through different phases. You started out singing, then you started talking to youth people, then you started talking and coaching adults. So your your path keeps changing. And that happens to a lot of people. It's not a straight line. And, and, and I, I love that idea. Don't be so focused, attached on the hour. Look at your goal, where you want to go. But I realize the longer, the further away it is, it's going to be hard. It's dimmer. As you get close, you'll see it more clear. But you'll probably go through various different paths and and, journey, and things will change. If you're, you're doing a four-year uh, vision, 
you're like saying, this is what I'm going to do for the next years. What things always happen. All you need to do is look at 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Everything changed for everyone. Uh, we all thought we were going to do certain things at the beginning of 2020. Guess what? COVID hit and everyone's plans changed. So your plans are going to change from time to time. There's some things you just have, but you have to figure out how you're going to respond to it. And that's the challenge. So, and they're always, you got to figure out what's the most inspiring, most positive way to respond to it. And then you know, keep you know, trying to get to that goal, to that vision. Uh, I want to think about something one of our common mentors taught us as exercise, you know, as you know, Jack Canfield. And um, at this event, um, he had, well, there were like 50, 60 of us. So he had us uh, go from one side of the room to the other. And you had to figure out a way to get to it. So one first person just walked straight ahead. But the, each succeeded person could not do what the person before him did. Everyone had to do something different. So another person started walking backwards. Someone started hopping. Someone did on one leg. Another person crawled. And, and there were all kinds of different ways. You cannot do what any of the previous people done. But all 50 people managed to get to the other side in some various way. And the point of that exercise was there are many different ways to get to your goal. There's not just one single perfect way mm -hmm. and you always have to remember that so i when your story just reminded me of that exercise jack did with us yeah and that this is something i've been really thinking about a lot lately um just with the different clients that i work with and when i especially when i get a new client and i start talking about where their challenges have been i always ask very similar questions where do you want to go you know what what's held you back in the past what do you think can hold you back in the future and the most common thing um, that they say is things around clarity and feeling stuck. And they feel stuck. And when we get into the feeling stuck, it's because they have this idea of the way they think it's supposed to be, how it should be. And a lot of that's marketing. You, you have to cut through what the marketing is. Look, everyone's going to say that their plan is the mm -hmm. one and only plan. I'm, I'm the only one. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I am blatantly talking about saying, look, all I want to do is help you to be able to discover your plan, help you to, I want to collaborate together to create a plan for you and with you, not create a plan that is, hey, this is my plan and it's my way or the highway because there is no one size fits all. There just isn't. I did a seminar last week where that was an exercise where we did where we, everyone um, thought about three successes of their life. And they looked at those three successes and they looked at the process of those three successes. And in the process, what the assignment was, was for them to find their own formula for success. Now, a lot of people would assume they'd be the same or very similar. And I'd say most were pretty similar, but there were definitely some that were completely different. There were definitely some that were completely different than the others because people are different. Yeah, there's certainly commonalities, but when people get into this idea of I'm supposed to do this, this is the the tyranny of personal development, right? They get into this mm -hmm. idea of well, it's supposed to be this way and I'm supposed to do this. Well, this expert said that, but this expert said this. And so now I don't even know what to do because these different experts are saying different things. And that's something that we need to be able to listen to ourselves, trust ourselves and say, no, what works for me and do that and put the trust in yourself to say, this is what works for me. Yeah. And I think those are some excellent points here. There is it's a bit of a tyranny there because you're saying, should I listen to this guy or this guy? If I don't listen to this guy, am I going to be a failure? So it can be very scary for a lot of people. And I think one thing you just mentioned at the very end of, your, of what you just said was a lot of sometimes you just have to go with your gut. I, I know in my experience, very often when I go against my gut, I regret it. And your gut seems to know what's best for you. So in most cases, I think if you go with your gut, it will lead you to the path that you want. So yeah, not everyone's path is the same. People can have different paths to different people that have different needs. There are going to be a lot of similarities as you pointed out. Yeah. But if, but if you go into a different path, don't be, don't feel bad if, you know, if Jay's going on one path and I'm going to another path, I shouldn't feel bad, you know, because I said, because no. because Jake's, you know, I should do what Jake does. No, Jake's like, Jake might give me clarity as to what I should do, but ultimately I got to make the choices to the path I want to go. And you need to remember that as well. So any good coach will tell you that. So I think there's some but very good stuff there. It's okay. I, there's just two things I want to unpack there. One mm -hmm. is even the idea of follow your gut. 
even that can can hold people back because you know if someone goes and takes like a Myers Briggs test, for instance, one of those letters in there is going to tell you whether you're a T or T or an F. Now I am an F on there, meaning the idea of follow your gut that totally resonates with me. But there's other people if they're if they're more of the T that stands for thinking or feeling right, right. as how you process information. Someone who's a T will hear follow your gut and they'll go, wait, that, that doesn't resonate with me because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for me, it, I process things more clearly through the mind. Even you go like, I love, I love Tony Robbins. I mean, heck look, the water bottle I'm drinking uh -huh. from right now is a Tony Robbins <laughs> drinking uh, water bottle, but he talks about, you know, don't listen to the mind and listen to your heart. And even that can, can, that's only for, it's great for me because that's exactly what I need. Because for me, when I listen to my gut, when I listen to my intuition, nine times out of 10, I am right. And if I go against my gut, 100% of the time, I am wrong. If I go against my gut. So that's, that's a really important thing for people to think about. I said I wanted to unpack the other thing. I don't remember what it was anymore. So, oh well. No, but it is. Everyone's going to react differently. They were thinking, more people are thinking, and the different personalities. And people need to understand that. Some people they need to know all the information. Some people just they just want the bullet points. Don't tell me twenty-seven different things. What are the three main points? Now make the decision. Other people like they need to know all the facts before they make a decision. They're different people who process things differently, and that's one thing you got to remember. You're when you're dealing with different people, they they have different ways of responding to things. So you can't treat everyone the same way, which is a, a mistake I think some coaches make. Yeah. Oh, I remembered what it was now. So some people will say, um, you know, oftentimes I hear people say. Don't follow the golden rule, follow the platinum rule. Well, the golden rule is treat other people the way that you want to be treated. And they say, no, that's not, no, we should follow the platinum rule, which is treat other people the way that they want to be treated. But see, even that, that that's missing the point because you know how I want to be treated? I want to be treated in a way that you actually take time to understand how I want to be treated. So really, we should be treating people the way that we want to be treated, which is I want to be treated in a way that you actually take time to get to know me and understand what I actually want. So what I'm saying is like the golden rule is the platinum rule. And I think that sometimes we just get caught up in things and we take things too literally. We, um, this whole personal development world, as I've coached many people who are all in with their personal development and growth, there comes a point where you can overthink, you can over personal develop and then just kind of twist yourself into um twist yourself into a corner i call it personal develop yourself into a corner and you feel like you can't move because well this expert said this this expert said that and it's really important that we take a step back and give ourselves compassion and just tell ourselves that it's okay whatever's going on that's okay and we just need to see it as that and just move forward one step at a time yeah, you can you can fall into what's called analysis paralysis. You just should I listen to Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Brian Tracy, these three guys, all great guys, but all saying different things. Man, what should I do? I don't know what to do. But no, I think what your your point there about the golden plan rule is, is absolutely right. So sometimes we need to take a step back, and uh, things will change for us. I think that was that was yeah. some really good stuff there. Well, sometimes I'll post something online that's like a definitive statement, right? I'll post a definitive statement that'll say. So, something, I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but I'll make some kind of statement that just seems pretty clear. And then there'll be three people who come and say, no, that's not true. Do this instead. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I know. Like that's, that's true. Also can't th this being true and that being true. Don't mean that they're mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. you know, they, 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 there can be multiple things that are true. Mm -hmm. There can be multiple things that are right. Like you were talking about, about the, um, about the walking, you know, there's, there's mm -hmm. more than one way to get there. Um, I like that saying better. There's more than one way to reach a goal. That's a better saying than there's more than one way to skin a cat. Cause mm -hmm. why are we skinning cats? That's what I want to know. It's uh, one, you know, two birds with one stone. What, why are we throwing stones at birds? I just think we beating a dead horse. What, what's wrong with our society? What? 
<laughs> need more we need more appreciation for animals and i say this as a dog lover so i don't like yeah, anything yeah. anti-dog no but i agree well we you we do have a lot of these uh sayings about animals yeah we should be kinder to them because they are part of god's creation totally absolutely so uh, next thing I actually want to talk uh, about is something you're big on is I know you talk about the fact that one of the reasons you've been successful over the years is that you're very focused. You're able to focus on one thing at a time, whereas for a lot of people, it's so easy for many of us to go in three or four different directions, or maybe we go into three or four companies. So how are you able to stay focused and how are you able to avoid these distractions which uh, occur to so many people? And what would you recommend to people what they can do to remain focused and not get distracted by so many things. You know, it's interesting because you, you at the beginning talking about my path kind of being all over the place. Someone might hear this and go, well, it doesn't sound very focused. He does this and that and all these different things. Here's what I'm really good at. I'm really good at laser focusing on one thing. I'm really good at laser focusing on one thing at a time. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to laser focus on that for the next 20 years but it means I'm gonna laser focus on getting that one task accomplished. If I'm completely honest with you about how do I do that, I, I don't really know. That's just a part of me. That's just something that I've always done. I've always been very laser focused. You know, it, As a 12 year old, I made a decision that I was gonna play on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now they won the World Series last year. Um, I wasn't on the team. So, so maybe that didn't quite work out. But the point is, is that as a 12 year old, I decided I was going to hit a hundred baseballs every single day. And I did that for years. Like I, I would say minimum four days a week, I'm hitting a hundred baseballs a day. That is just a part of me. I get, I get obsessive over things. I get obsessive over things. So for me, it's kind of easy because it's not, it's not focus for me. It's obsession. Um, and so if I'm excited about something, I can't stop thinking about it. So how do I do it? I don't, I don't really know. It's just a part of who I am. I become laser focused. And if I make a decision, I will just keep working on that thing until it works. Well, except for making it to the Dodgers. That didn't quite work. But um, And even then, if I look back, I'm not saying that I was ever good enough to play on the Dodgers, but, um, you know, with that being said, um, I learned that I gave up way too soon. I learned that, I, and I don't, I'm not a person who has regrets because I love where I'm at and I know how life goes. And so your past defines who you are. I wouldn't be who I am today if I kept going with that goal, kept going with that dream and didn't. And maybe that is what helped propel me in other things because I know that I gave up too soon. I know that I gave up too soon. And I, I shouldn't have, but for someone who's listening and says, okay, well, great, Jake, you basically said, uh, well, I'm just naturally gifted. So I don't know what to say. And, and no, what I'm really saying is, is if you want something, let me just give you a persuasive argument. If you try to catch, well, here we go back with the animals, but if you try to catch two rabbits, you'll catch none. If you're focused on multiple things at the same time, your likelihood of achieving any of them is much lower. Now, if you were to say, you know what, I have these two big goals. And I'm not saying don't do a little bit on each. But I'm saying if you're equally focused to both of them, it will take you longer to get to both. But if you were to say I have these two big goals, and I'm going to make one of them my prime laser focus for the next six months until I achieve it. And the other one's just going to kind of be on the back burner. And then once I achieve that, then I'm going to make the other one my laser focus. Well, great. Your goal was that you were going to achieve these two goals within the year. You did it. Just so happens you got one of them six months in and one of them 12 months in. But if you chase both of them, you probably get neither of them. I just think it's really important to understand that it's not about limiting. Whenever I say focus, people feel like, oh, you're limiting me. No, I'm making it so you can do more. That's what it's about. Yeah, and I think... You had a couple of really good points there. Number one, a lot of people do not understand is when you have that laser focus and you made a decision, you make a decision. That's very important. It's our decisions that drive our destiny, our future. You make a decision. I'm going to focus on this for the next six months, a year, 
or whatever time period. And you have that obsessive focus and you focus on you, you get better at, you master, you're productive at it. That's the change that's occurred in your careers because you have this obsessive focus and different periods of your life. You'll do something for a year or two and something else may pop. But when you come to that new thing, guess what? You're gonna have that obsessive focus because you made that decision. You have to make a decision. A lot of people don't make that decision. They say, I'm gonna try all these things. And a lot of people don't understand your point is well taken. People think they're gonna get more done if they try four different things all at once. All the studies show otherwise, they show that you are correct on that. Because one of the reasons why it doesn't work is you're trying four or five different tasks at once. Guess what? When you're doing one task, after a while, you build momentum. Totally. But if you build it, start doing a task, then you switch to another one. Guess what? You lose that momentum and you don't have momentum the second one. And you, you're going to build some momentum. But guess what? You're going to go to the third one. And guess what? You're going to lose the momentum from the second one. It's going to take you out. So you're losing a lot of momentum when you're trying several different things at once. And I also like your point. You could try two things. Focus on one, do a little bit of the other one, but have a main focus on one and you can get those two done in the same year. But that's yeah. why, that's one reason why it doesn't work. You lose a lot of that momentum. When you do one thing at a time, you have the momentum. That's why you get things done so much quickly and you're so much more productive. A lot of people don't understand multitasking does not work. All the studies show that you lose a lot of money. And the other thing that, that can happen to you is you can be overwhelmed by all the things you're trying to do. Man, I have to do all these things today. And sometimes you don't know which one you want to work on because you're so overwhelmed on it. That's why trying to do five business opportunities at once doesn't work because you're overwhelmed because you don't know which business you're going to work on at nine o'clock in the morning. Should I do A, B, C, or D? So I think you have some really great points there about yeah. productivity and business and obsessive focus. But why are they doing five businesses at the same time? It's not because they think they're all going to succeed. It's because they have fear and they think that I don't have control over making these successful. And they think I don't have enough confidence to focus on one. So I'm going to do five and just see maybe one of them will work. And then I'll make a decision. It's, it's fear of making a decision. So I have learned that I want to make decisions because the quicker I make a decision, the more it increases the odds of me being successful. Let me share a, um, mm -hmm. a study with you. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, what this this experiment that was done is with children. They brought a group of children into a room, and they dropped money from the from the the ceiling. Mm -hmm. They dropped you know, just dropping a bunch. Of, I think it was like one of those fan things, just put money all over, right? And they had a certain amount of time that they were allowed to get as much money as they could. So they said, "Hey, we want you to go in there, grab as much money as you can." So of course, what do these kids do? They come in wanting to catch this money and they do it like this, right? They're trying to catch as much money as they can. So then afterwards they went and they, they counted all the money. Now I'm gonna just tell you just to be completely transparent. I don't remember the specific numbers. I don't remember what the specific numbers were, mm -hmm. but let's just say they collected $10 per kid. You know, per kid, they collected 10 bucks. And they did it a second time. But the second time they said, this time, you can still get as much money as you want, but you can, you can only qualify to put that dollar in your pocket if you only catch $1 at a time, meaning if you catch $2 at a time, you have to drop them both, right? So they can only catch $1 at a time. And it, after they did it, the numbers showed that they more than doubled what they did when they were trying to catch multiple wow. at a time. So when they told them to focus, they still have the same amount of time. And when they went, okay, focus, grab it, pocket, grab it, pocket, grab it, pocket. They got so much more than when they were trying to go, oh, money, I want to grab all the money. Just really interesting how that happened. Yeah, that is an amazing story. And I think that perfectly explains what we've been talking about the last several minutes. It's yeah. when they focus $1 at a time, they kept more money when they're trying to grab all around, they got a lot less money. So I, I think that perfectly illustrates the importance of focusing on one thing, one product, one business, one, whatever your obsession is, focus on one thing at a time and you're just going to get so much more done. I think that study beautifully illustrated. I think I've never heard of that one before. And I, I thank you for sharing. That is really cool. I'm going to, I want to read more about that because that, that's yeah. pretty cool. I, I definitely want to share that with more people because it's, it really drives the point home. I don't remember where that study was done, but I'll, I'll, I'll look for it. It was in a book that I read. So I don't, I don't remember exactly where it was. Uh, I think it was in essentialism is where that, where that mm -hmm. story was from. If I'm remembering correctly from the book mm -hmm. essentialism, um, which is very interesting. One of the things I point out in essentialism 
is that it wasn't until the 50s that they ever used an S at the end of the word priority. You would never say priorities yes. mm -hmm. because that was an oxymoron. That mm -hmm. was like saying multiple one, like, like to say it, it doesn't make sense. So prior to the 50s, priority meant one thing. You yeah. would never say, what are your priorities? Because that's just not the way. It was just interesting the way they pointed out that that was not the way we used language. We didn't mm -hmm. use our language that way in English because it did not make sense. By definition, the word could not have an S at the end. But it was around the 50s, mm -hmm. uh, post-World War II, when really a lot of society started changing, um, you know, as, as all the men went away from war, then the women needed to do so much more at home. Mm -hmm. So then there are a lot more conveniences that brought into the, a uh, lot of things to help, you know, make those different types of uh, housework so much easier so that they could go to work. And then when they, when the men come back, well, society is completely different at that point. Mm -hmm. And so now it's a different place and we already have all these conveniences. What, you know, why does she need to go back to being the one taking care of the house when we have these things to make it so much easier so now we have two parents working. And then on top of that, during World War II, we had a lot more extracurricular activities. This is all because of mm. how do we deal with this problem? Mm. Then afterwards, um, afterwards, they have just a difference in society. I'm not saying good or bad, and many good things came from it. Lots and lots of good things. But I'm just saying that a change happened. And when that change happened, our life became much more complicated became much more complicated because you have mom and dad working, kids going to school, then going to extracurricular activities. And then all of a sudden you have this full calendar of, of things. You have this full calendar of things, not to mm -hmm. mention uh, the, the rise of consumerism. And mm -hmm. so you have all these different distractions and different things. And then all of a sudden our language changed and we now say priorities instead of priority. It's just fascinating. Yeah, it is. And I'm just wondering if maybe... Some people might change some of that language and some of what is your main priority? I wonder how the people's lives would change because yeah, because it was different 60, 70 years ago, but uh, that's a great explanation about how things are changing. How people react in the thirties and forties is much different than the way they talk and look at things today. So it, yeah. it, it, it is a fast. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, take your time. Yeah, no, it's uh, so, so that's something important to think about. Uh, so, do you have five priorities or do you have one or two main priorities? I think you have something to show us now, Jake. Yeah. So this is a book that I wrote called Your Number One Goal. Okay. It's a book that I wrote called Your Number One Goal. Now I wrote this book in 2016 and mm -hmm. I've had a whole lot of life that I've lived since then. I've lived, I feel like I've lived multiple decades since 2016. There's been so much that has gone on. And um, to tell you the truth, there's a lot of things that are in here that I don't believe anymore. Uh, that's why I haven't promoted this book in about two years. It's because there's a lot of things in here that I, I no longer believe. <laughs> I just don't. I, don't. I don't believe the things that I said and that I wrote um, because I've had so much experience working with people. So right now I'm in the process of rewriting this book. I'm almost done with it. And I'm going to be re-releasing with an official launch this year for this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of that idea, exactly what you're talking about is, okay, well, priorities, priority, the word priority doesn't mean anything anymore because we talk about so many different, it means, a, it has a different definition now. Uh, but now I talk about, okay, what's your number one goal? What is the number one goal that you have? We're going to focus on that until you get to the top of this mountain. And then you go to the next one. Then you go to the next one. That's some good stuff. Thanks for sharing. So it just shows we all grow in different ways. We learn some things. Sometimes we learn different things and our views and thoughts will change as we interact with people, our experiences, counseling people, coaching people. We're going to learn different things. And sometimes the things we thought three or four years ago, some of those things are going to change because we're growing as people. We're learning more. So don't be afraid to change because uh, there are there's so many things none of us know. And we're going to continue to learn. And that's a good thing because that means you have more to share with people and to inspire them and to help them. So don't be, don't be afraid to say, like you just said, some of the things I wrote here, I don't believe anymore. That's what I believed at the time, but my experiences have changed. And now I've, I've changed some of the ways I look at goals and, and you're going to redo that book and come out soon. And we're mm -hmm. looking forward to uh, reading it. So, so thank yeah. you.
Um, next thing I'd like to talk about is uh, a common mentor we have, uh, and I know someone you've learned a lot from, and I have as well as Jack Canfield. So I just, I, I like to just hear a little bit of your experiences with him, how you got to know, because I know you've known him a long time and just some of the things you've learned from him, because I think, I think we both agree, I think he's one of the best success coaches in the entire world. And he's yeah. an incredible wealth of knowledge. And he's also just one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Very down to earth, very friendly, easy to talk to. And, and every time I met him, I've just been blown away by what a great guy he is. Totally. Jack is a brilliant man. He is a brilliant man. Um, and what uh, people don't see in, in public is also just how fun he is. You know, he, he, he has definitely a, a professional persona. But if you get to spend any time with him, you're really like, this guy is so much fun. This guy is so much fun to be around. So for me, you know, like many people, the first time I ever heard of Jack Hanfield was uh, watching the movie The Secret back in 2007, I think was the first time I saw it, 2007, maybe 2008. And um, you know, for whatever reason, I thought, oh, who, who's that? Guy? Oh, he's the chicken soup for the soul guy. I do remember chicken soup for the soul but I don't know anything else about him. What is this? And, and so I read, you know, during that time I was talking about trying to be, you know, the best version of myself so I could go and book, you know, book the, uh, the gigs that I was doing. I found that he had a book, the success principles and, you know, devoured that book and read it many, many times and thought, wow, this is so incredible. It's such a helpful thing. I thought, I think about it as like a, it's kind of like the, 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 the greatest hits compilation um, book of all of the personal development content that there is. Like it, it really gives you a complete picture and it, it's so great. And he's also humble enough to say that, look, these aren't the, I didn't create these things. These are the things I collected studying personal development for 40 years. And that was such an incredible thing. And, and so I started getting more involved with him and learning everything that I could. And as I got more involved in being a speaker myself, I thought, well, I need to learn from the best. I need to learn from the best, best people out there. And so, you know, started going to some of his seminars, some of his events and did his certification program. And in that process, um, you know, we, we had the opportunity to, to meet, um, he invited me to be a part of one of his books. He used one of my stories in one of his books. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, we, we got to do as, as my audience grew, we started to be able to do some different opportunities where I can interview him, where he was actually excited to get in front of new people. And I felt so cool that like, wow, I could do something for him. I can do something for him and how great that is. And, um, and by the way, I got so much more out of that than, than I know he did. I love that opportunity and just being able to meet him and hang out with him. Such a pleasure and honor. Done several interviews with him now. Um, had the opportunity to hang out with him at his house. It's just so incredible. And I can tell you that that um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, quote unquote, fake gurus and stuff like that. And people, there's a lot of cynicism and skepticism. I can just tell you, Jack Canfield's the real deal. Like that guy is the real deal and um, just absolutely worth listening to. A fascinating human and an incredible guy. No, I totally agree with everything you just said about Jack. I met him almost five years ago. He came to New Jersey right across the river from here in New York City. It was a one day to greatness event. And I was just so blown away by how friendly this guy was. He signed my book. He took pictures with me. And I met his team. That's the other thing. The people that work with him are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And I was just so impressed with everyone that I signed up for his Breakthrough to Success five-day event uh, six months later. And I just kept continuing going to more events with these people and getting certified like you did. I, I just learned so much from him. He is the real deal. He is so friendly to talk with. So he treats everyone the same. He doesn't act like he's better than you. There are other gurus like, it's like trying to get to the president to spend time with him. He'll he'll go there, he'll he'll talk to you. He is very, one of the nicest people I've ever met. And, and I agree, The Success Ones, I think, is one of the all-time best books on success. If you never read it, you need to read it because those principles, if you apply the principles and are consistent with them, you're going to get results because he's taking all these principles. Like you said, he didn't invent them. He's just learning from his 40 years of experience 
And this is the things he's learned that make people successful. And all you need to do is apply them. The principles always work if you apply the principles. So if you haven't read it, I, Jake and I both will recommend get this success principle. It is an incredible book and um, you're going to get a lot out of it, especially if you're starting off, because when you're starting off, there's so much you don't know in the entrepreneurial journey or whatever journey you are. You can apply this in any field. You can work in the corporate world. You can be a teacher. Whatever industry you're in, you can apply the success principles to it and you will get results. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right. Next thing I want to talk to you about is I'm looking behind you and I see you have a group there called the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches. Now, I'm a part of that group and um, I don't even want to talk a little bit about one thing I love about that group is, number one, you've created a community of no one over 10,000 people in it. So I, I, that's you've done an incredible job building it, you know, such a big community. But it's not just a big community. It's an active community. People are participating there all the time and people are always helping one another out saying, you know, what do you, you know, can you help me with this? How, how do I get a speaking? How do I do this? And how do I do that? And there are always people responding with tips as how they can uh, get whatever that person's asking. So, so talk about that community. And, 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 I, and I feel the community is always a reflection of the person who created it. So mm-hmm. it's obviously a reflection of you. So um, I think everyone feeds off of you and your energy. So you might talk a little bit about your speaker, auth- authors and coaches uh, network group on Facebook. Yeah, for sure. You know, what? it all started, I was at an event that I attended every year. It was an event that I attended year after year. And I was talking with another veteran speaker and uh, we were talking about how we came back to this event every year, mostly because we wanted to connect with people, mostly because we wanted to connect. It was almost like a, it was like a family reunion every year, got together with all the people who were a part of this thing that that was kind of what it was like. And that, that's what the feeling was of it. Um, but what we said was, you know, it'd be really cool if there was like an event that people could come back to every year that wasn't about just beginning content, but there was content coming that was, you know, that, that was meaningful to veterans, meaningful to anyone at any level in, in, the, in the speaking industry and in the coaching industry. And, and I started thinking about that. I was like, you know what? I, I have lots of connections. I have lots of friends. I've, I've built a, a big network of, pe- of people. I should do that. You know, I should put that together. Um, I should do that. I should put that together. I should make that happen. And as I did, I just decided to do it. And the first thing I went, oh, well, I'll start a group and then I'll go from there. But the idea from the beginning was it was creating something I wished existed. I wanted to create something that was more than just me teaching. I wanted it to be a network of people. I wanted it to be a network. I wanted it to be a society. I wanted it to be a community where people could support each other. People could help each other. And, you know, we're, we're growing all the time and that's really exciting and um, right now I'm in the process of planning a live event. Yes, that's right. A live event, uh, in-person event we're talking about for the fall. Um, I don't know what the limitations of that are going to be at the time, but I am fully confident that we can do the event. Like the, what I'm actually going to be doing is I'm going to, um, sell a small number of tickets at the beginning. At the beginning, we're just going to release, it's probably going to be next month, we're going to start selling tickets, and it's just going to be a small number, only a small number available. And then as things, if they do, if, if the um, limitations lighten up, then we will um, strategically release more tickets. That way, we're not going to get into a situation where we go, oh, well, we thought it would be better by then, and then it's not. We're basically doing it at, well, what could we do right now? Um but it, it's about pulling together a community. It's about bringing people together. You know, we've done that event two years in a row now. This will be the third year, even though it'll be almost two years in between because it was February this time last year and then October. So whatever that ends up being, but that's almost two, a two-year gap. But those events have been this incredible community feeling. Like there's an incredible community feeling at these events. And I think that it's because the focus has been on the people as opposed to the focus being on me, you know, as opposed to the focus being on the founder, the focus being on whoever's in charge. You know, I, I'm not looking to be 
a guru, I'm looking to bring together a community. Yeah. No, there's some great things there. Number one, uh, you mentioned you created this group because it's something you wanted. You had hoped that it, it would, it was there, but it wasn't. So you decided to create it yourself. So sometimes uh, you want something and uh, someone else is not going to do it. So maybe you need to create it yourself, which is what Jake did with his Facebook group. And um, I, I do hope you get the, I'm glad to hear those live events will start returning. Obviously I went to that one, uh, it was about a year and a half ago. It was uh-huh. a lot of fun people. Yeah, that well, were that fun. Was just one of our, that was just one of our small masterminds, the you small know, we semester- do those every quarter. Right. Um, but you know, this, like, it's interesting. I was planning on, my goal was to have this as a, a 500 seat event. That was my goal for it oh. last year when I was planning after last year, I said, okay, 2020 uh, or 2021, the 2021 was great, which by the way, the, our 2020 event ended two weeks before everything shut down. You know, oh. that event happened two weeks. So if I, I just arbitrarily chose a date, if I had chose two weekends later, I would have had to cancel the whole thing. But, um, Two weeks afterwards, the whole thing shuts down. But that was the goal. But once again, going back to that idea of, look, you can be flexible with what you're doing. Like, I don't think that that is a, I don't think it's a wise decision right now for me to say, okay, October, for me personally, with where I'm at, for me to say, I'm going to get 500 people in a room. I don't know if that's going to be possible. Also, I don't know. It probably will, but it will require a much larger space. It will also require, a, I don't know, maybe things would be 100% back to normal by then. I don't know. But for me, I felt like that's that's too big of a, um, that's too big of a task to take on because of the possibilities of what will need to happen. Great. 2022, there you go. Then we're going to do the 500-person event. But this one, we're looking at 100 people. It's a venue that could hit that could fit over 300 people. I think about 350 is what I'm looking at right now. And I'm looking at like hundred people in that room. And if we can add more as we get closer to it, great, awesome. But I'm committed to doing it because I want to bring together people. I think people are hungry to get back into live settings. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think people, uh, virtual events are great, but there's nothing like actually spending time going. Now that small event you had a year in Africa, it was nice interact with everyone. Everyone, it was a great group of people. And obviously uh, you saw some great things there as well, but there's something about being in live events. There's an energy there. You build relationships. You just can't on a Zoom call. And totally. yeah, and you've seen that at sporting events right, right now, because right now, some sports are they're letting some fans in you know maybe it's 10 20 percent whatever but fans are happy to be back because they really miss and the players are happy they feed off of the energy of the fans so the players love it the fans love it so if you can get some people back and maybe it's got to be a gradual thing like what you're trying to do get some people back at these events get yeah these sporting events get some people back at your event and and i think people definitely want to come back to these mastermind events people love it so yeah maybe you have to do it gradually open it up slowly and if things change maybe six months now it'll be better you can allow more people in so yeah i I like i think what you're doing is, is smart doing it gradually see you know what happens you know with the COVID. so hopefully things will continue to approve let's hope for the best but yeah, I think people really want to do more things. I think people want to travel more. They want to go out to restaurants. They want to do more vacations with their family because they miss them. There's something about being with other humans. We're social beings and we need to be around each other. So I think I think you're right. People are hungry to go back to live events. So, you know, start out with a smaller event and then uh, hopefully things get better. You can go back to the large ones, like 500. So I, 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 I like what you're doing and uh, I definitely think people are looking forward to it. Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah, so uh, no, it's a, it's some, a lot of great stuff here. Do you have any other last uh, wisdom you'd like to share with, with the audience? Because you've shared a lot of great stuff here. Uh, there's a lot of people. Number one, um, again, your group talks about it's for people who want to learn how to be speakers, authors, and coaches. So if you're in any of those three categories, check out the group. It's free. There's a lot of great value in there. People want to help. Um, and uh, so if people want to learn more about you know, what do I need to do to become successful? You know, you know, what path should I do? Obviously everyone's path is different, but what are certain key things you recommend as a you know, final uh, piece of advice for our audience? Well, let's see, since you were just talking about, 
you know, speakers, authors, coaches, which category they fit in. Let, let me let me break this down. I get this question often. Why, why is this about all three? Why is this not just about one? What is that? Mm-hmm. And he, here's what it's about. What it's about is you are not a speaker. You are not a coach. You are not an author. You are a messenger. And those things are just vehicles to get your message out. Those are vehicles and business models to get your message out. In fact, and those business models overlap with each other. But I think anyone who has a message, if they stop thinking about themselves as a speaker and start thinking about themselves as a messenger, then they open themselves up to new and better and bigger opportunities. When they just think about themselves as, well, I'm a coach. Now you put yourself in a box and you limit your your possibilities. But if you think about yourself as a messenger and these three things and whatever else you do are all just vehicles to get your message out. So think about yourself as a messenger that, that you have for the world, that I got this message for the world. I need to get this message out. And if you can think about it in that way, you, you're going to see a huge difference in what you, just where your mind goes, what is possible, what you can do. So go out and share your message. That's what it's really about. It's about sharing your message. Oh, I love that. Think of yourself as a messenger and see these things as a vehicle for you to get your message out to other people. Yeah, don't box yourself in. See yourself as a messenger who can help people, can inspire people, and just look at these things as vehicles and your life will change. Listen, Jake, thank you so much. I I appreciate your coming on the show today. Um, It's always great talking to you, seeing you again, and I love all the great wisdom you shared with the audience. And I know our Viewers loved everything you share with them. A lot of great wisdom. And be, and one last thing, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to contact you? Just come hang out in the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches Network. Come join the group, find it on Facebook, and uh, come hang out with us there. You type in those words, it will pop up. Uh, definitely. I recommend. That's a great group. It's a vibrant, active community. People love to help one another out in that community. And you're going to get a lot of great tips for everyone. Again, thank you so much, Jake. I love everything you shared. And again, great seeing you today and have yourself an amazing day, my friend. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Victor. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.